0: Looking at Shimon Kepha, also known as Simon Peter, his sec excuse me, his first epistle, chapter two, verse eleven. So 1 Peter or 1 Kepha 2, 11. i I'm just looking at two, we're just looking at two verses today, although there's some other readings to be looking at. But the main text, just two verses 2, 11 through 12, in his first epistle. As far as grammatic quantity, there's five chapters in this epistle, so we're not at the middle point as far as number of letters, but as far as, uh, we are at a midpoint in a sense. Chapter 2, verses 11 through 12 mark the second half, so this is, starting with 2.11, it's the second half of the basic structure of the epistle. If he were teaching a graduate, if Kepha were teaching a graduate school class course in theory and practice and was using his first epistles a text and syllabus, chapter 2 verses 11 through 12 would mark the the change from the emphasis from theory was chapter 1 and the first 10 verses of chapter 2. And the whole rest of the epistle mainly is more practice, more the halakha. Put it another way, verses 1-1 through 2-10 are more general, and 2-11 through the end of the epistle are more specific. How do we apply this? The first half, first part of the epistle contains general obligations to holiness, to love, to trust in God, related to hope. And this half, the second, half, gives very specific instructions show how believers are to practice holiness and how to trust in God in actual life situations. 2.11 through 5.11 gives specific application to the general teaching of what went before that. So in verse 11, so we're in 1 2, 2:11 says, "Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and temporary residents not to give in to the desires of your old nature, which keep warring against you." he addresses his readers. Kefa addresses readers as friends, as it's rendered here. The love here, the the love here that he has, it refers to to his readers. Could be seen more explicit by rendering it as beloved ones. But maybe some translations have the beloved ones. The term is, is you don't have to be an expert in Greek, but you may read toy," which is related to the word agape, or agape, depending on how your professor emphasized, emphasized the syllables. Now that we know that Kepha loves us, What does he want us to do? He points out that we are strangers and refugees, aliens and temporary residents. He commenced his first epistle by describing his readers in the very first verse of his epistle. He describes his readers as chosen people living as aliens in, in Greek it's diasporas, which is where diaspora comes from, or dispersion, or in Hebrew, galut, or golus, Now in 2.11 he brings the subject of the dispersion up again. Living outside, outside of our homeland. He addresses the kind of ethical faith which he would like, which he would have to be exercised in the galut, outside the homeland. Such faith can be seen in Hebrews 11.8 and following. Um, It's rendered faith in many passages, in many translations. In the, in the Jewish New Testament or complete Jewish Bible version, it's rendered trusting. And this is largely because if you're familiar with the emphasis, Martin Buber said that Judaism is predominantly a religion of emunah, of faith, but in the sense of trusting. And he contrasted it, Buber, with he thought of some other religions as mainly a matter of belief, whereas Judaism was mainly a matter of faith which he emphasized, trusting, trusting in God. So that's why in this translation it says, in Hebrews eleven eight and following, it says, by trusting, or in some translations, by faith, Abraham obeyed after being called to go out to a place which God would give him as a possession. Indeed, he went out without knowledge of where he was going. By trusting, he lived as a temporary resident in the land of the promise, as if it were not his, staying in tents with Yitzhak and Yaakov who were to receive what was promised with them. For he was looking forward to the city with permanent foundations of which the architect and builder is God. By trusting, he received potency to father a child, even though he was past the age for it, as was Sarah herself, because he regarded the one who had made the promises trustworthy. It goes into more detail in this passage down through in Hebrews chapter 8. Later in verse 13, it says, as all these people kept on trusting until they died without receiving what had been promised. Acknowledging that they were aliens and temporary residents on the earth, where people who speak this way make it clear that they are looking for a fatherland. So Kepha's readers in his epistle Kepha's readers are aliens and temporary residents. he says. Not only in the diasporas, the diaspora, the galut, but on earth as a whole. We're not only in the midst of a physical dispersion, those of us who don't live in the land of Israel, but a spiritual galut, a spiritual dispersion as well. In the passage we're looking at today, 1 Kepha 2, 11 through 12, Shimon Kepha seems to be giving us three reasons Three reasons for discipline and direction in our lives. The first one is early in verse 11. At verse 11, the first reason for spiritual, for discipline and direction of our lives. We have a spiritual citizenship. The meaning of the words: We're aliens and temporary residents. We're to think of ourselves as on the earth, not becoming settlers, just like outside the land of Israel, we're not full time, we're not settlers, setting down permanent, setting our stake for a permanent residence there. Those who have, but we're basically as those foreigners who have no rights or legal status in the place. Temporary residents only. So long as we are in this world, there should be in our lives a certain detachment And there's a second reason here for discipline and direction. Discipline is in itself in our own self-interest. Kepha mentions desires of your old nature, which we talked about in 211. He said, as temper residents, don't give in to the desires of your old nature, which keep warring against you. The desires of your old nature, passions of desire and craving. These are some strong words, whether you feel you're under attack or not. These, these are fleshly lusts, but it's not absolutely certain whether the cravings of the old nature, whether he's talking about specific, specific sins of the body, or even, even if that's not the case, perhaps more likely a general sense of a human nature corrupted by sin. The second sentence, Rav Shaul seems to refer to this in Romans chapter 8. Look at a few verses from Romans chapter 8. Therefore, there is no longer any condemnation awaiting those who are in union with Messiah Yeshua. Why? Because the Torah of the Spirit, which produces this life in union with Messiah Yeshua, has set me free from the Torah of sin and death with what the Torah could not do by itself because it lacked the power to make the old nature cooperate God did by sending his son as a human being with a nature like our own sinful one but without sin God did this in order to deal with sin in so doing he executed the punishment against sin in human nature so that the just requirement of the Torah might be fulfilled in us who do not run our lives according to what our old nature wants but according to what the spirit wants For those who identify with their old nature set their minds on the things of the old nature. For those who identify with the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. Having one's mind controlled by the old nature is death. Having one's mind controlled by the spirit is life and shalom. For the mind controlled by the old nature is hostile to God. Because it does not submit itself to God's Torah. Indeed it cannot. Thus those who identify with their old nature cannot please God. But you You do not identify with your old nature, but with the Spirit, provided the Spirit of God is living inside you. For anyone who doesn't have the Spirit of Messiah doesn't belong to him. However, if the Messiah is in you, then on the one hand, the body is dead because of sin, but on the other hand, the Spirit is giving life because God considers you righteous. And if the Spirit of the one who raised Yeshua from the dead is living in you, then the one who raised the Messiah Yeshua from the dead will also give to your mortal bodies Give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit living in you. The cravings or the passions of desire, which Kepha says in his text, they wage war against the soul. They're they're not a mild inconvenience. They serve in the army against the soul. This is the kind of figurative language that Shimon Kepha is using. Military terminology we don't always feel like we're, we're in a war. But if you've studied, not, we don't always know when we're at war. People consider World War II, the beginning officially to be when, 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 the, when the Nazis invaded Poland in was it September 1939. But if you look back, the war the warfare became, began long before them, even when we weren't aware. So this is military terminology he's using. It's not unique. Rav Shaul in Romans 7, a couple of verses Romans 7, 22 and 23 says, For in my inner self, I completely agree with God's Torah. But in my various parts, I see a different Torah, one that battles with the Torah in my mind and makes me a prisoner of sin's Torah, which is operating in my various parts. Also in um, a lot of references here, but in, in Yaakov, also called the letter of James, in Yaakov chapter 4, It says, what is causing all the quarrels and fights among you? Isn't it your desires battling inside you? You desire things and don't have them. You kill and you are jealous and you still can't get them. So you fight and quarrel. The reason you don't have is that you don't pray. Or you pray and don't receive because you pray with the wrong motive, that of wanting to indulge your own desires. So make no mistake, we are in a war. It is, however, probably more correct to say, not that men, don't think of it, we're soldiers in this war, don't think of it so much, I'm in the army of God, not just because that makes you sound like a jerk to people that don't understand, but um, it's not so much we're, we're soldiers in a war, but that we are the battlefield. We are where the war is taking place. How shall we wage this war victoriously? In Galatians 5 16 through 18, it says, what I am saying is this, run your lives by the spirit. Then you will not do what your old nature wants for the old nature wants what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit wants was as contrary to the old nature. Those oppose each other so that you find yourselves unable to carry out your good intentions. But if you are led by the spirit, then you are not in subjection to the system that results from perverting the Torah into legalism. So whoever first said it, he or she uttered a wise saying. He says, the flesh is a good master. Excuse me, I said it exactly wrong. The flesh is a good servant, but a, but a poor master. I, all these technological things, they always give this, me the technology in the classroom supposed to make things work better and it just confuses me more. Well, if I know how to use them, it can be a great, a great servant, but a poor master. And the flesh is a good servant, but a poor master. The second verse in 1 Kefa chapter 2, 1 2, 2:12 says, "But to live such good lives among the pagans that even though they now speak against you as evildoers, they will, as a result of seeing your good actions, give glory to God on the day of His coming." Now that refers to pagans here. They, they, in that context, they would be what we call pagans, of course. But it will be more—it will be a more literal reference to render it Gentiles, although at that time the vast majority of Gentiles would have been what we call pagans. The term ethnesin is where we get the word ethnic from. It means nation, or like one of the words for nation in Hebrew, goy, it can be rendered Gentile. Some, and a lot of, diplomatically speaking, a lot of translators put pagan because it, it wouldn't give the exact same context that it would give today. In that, that time when, when Gentile and pagan would have been the same thing. So it's often rendered pagans, but it's the same word. So Shimon Kepha, if Shimon Kaif were addressing an assembly of followers of Messiah Yeshua, most of them ethnically Jewish, they were living in the Galut, the diaspora, outside the land of Yisrael, would expect him to refer to people among whom they are scattered as Gentiles, most of whom they're scattered among, which is exactly what he has done here. If we want to do some midrash and find a deeper spiritual meaning than just the literal wording, which is something we can do that at times, that's fine. So these Jewish belie- predominantly Jewish believers are among Gentile pagans. How should they live? So living among people, even if put it just in a spiritual sense, how you have these spiritual convictions, but you live among a populace, mostly do not have those same convictions. In Titus 2, chapter 2, it says, beginning with verse 6, Similarly, urge the young men to be self-controlled, and in everything, set them an example, yourself by doing what is good. When you are teaching, have integrity and be serious. Let everything you say be so wholesome that an opponent will not be put to shame because he will have nothing bad to say about us. And then continuing farther down in verse 11, it says, for God's grace, which brings deliverance, has appeared to all people. It teaches us to renounce godlessness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled upright and godly lives in this age. While continuing to expect the blessed fulfillment of our certain hope, which is the appearing of the Shekhinah, of our great God, and the appearing of our deliverer, Yeshua the Messiah, he gave himself up on our behalf in order to free us from all violation of Torah and purify for himself a people who would be his own, eager to do good. In verse 11 of our main text, First Kepha 2.11, two of the three reasons why we should live, why we should discipline and direct our lives, why we need discipline and direction. First, there was our spiritual citizenship in this world. In the galut. Second. There was the fact that discipline and direction. Are in our own self-interest. In our internal war. We are the battlefield remember. Third. In verse 12. There is our influence on others. In Matidyahu, In the first gospel. Chapter 5. 14. It says. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Likewise when people light a lamp. They won't cover it with a bowl but put it on a lampstand so that it shines for everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before people so that they may see the good things you do and praise your Father in heaven. So our prayer, our aim and our prayer should be that our our detractors, those those in the world who disagree with us, our detractors should come to see Our good works, come to see our mitzvot, but see that they're made possible only by the ruach of God, by God's Spirit, and so be brought to acknowledge the divine author. Here in this in his epistle, Kepha is explicitly repeating teaching from Yeshua about letting your light shine before men. In Philippians two, fourteen through sixteen, we also see, do everything he puts in Stern puts in the little Yiddish here in the translation, do everything without kvetching or arguing so that you may be blameless and pure children of God without defect in the midst of a twisted and perverted generation among whom you shine like stars in the sky as you hold on to the word of life. If you do this, I will be able to boast when the day of Messiah comes that he did not run or toil for nothing. So if we live properly as ethical followers of Hashem, as ethical children of Hashem, we will be acknowledged by the world at large as ethical people. Right? Of course, if we live right, we'll receive that acknowledgement. Well, not necessarily. In in chapter 3 of 1 Kepha in 3, later in his epistle, which we're not focusing on today, but at 3.13, it says, for you will, for who will hurt you if you become zealous for what is good? But even if you do suffer for being righteous, you are blessed. Moreover, don't fear what they fear or be disturbed, but treat Messiah as holy, as Lord in your hearts, while remaining always ready to give a reason answer to anyone who asks you to explain the hope you have in you with humility, yet with humility and fear, keeping your conscience clear, so that when you are spoken against those who abuse the good behavior, flowing. From your union with the Messiah may be put to shame. For if God has in fact willed that you should suffer, it is better for you to suffer doing what is good than to suffer for doing what is evil. So as ethical, we could say adoptees of Hashem, as ethical children of Hashem, we may receive we may receive, we may not receive any temporal reward, any reward on this earth. We can, however, keep our conscience clear. And by our deeds show, if we receive unfair criticism, we show that by our deeds, that it is just that. When charges of immorality or criminal conduct were made, charges of this kind, how are they best answered? They're silenced best not by words, but by deeds. We can, however, do a little messianic midrash here even though the attacks of Shimon Kepha's readers were coming mainly from non-Jews, we can apply it today. Many Messianic Jews have been told that you can't, and this including by Jews, but others, you cannot believe that Yeshua of Nazareth is the Mashiach and still be Jewish. We've been told such by other Jews, by non-Jews, by Christians, by non-Christians, even some Jewish followers of Yeshua, have virtually affirmed that to follow if you follow messiah you're basically forsaking judaism so how do we demonstrate the non-truthfulness of such attacks do we do it by debating by publishing by citing our pedigree well my mother was jewish and and my great grandfather was the my great grandfather was the vilna of gaon my great grandfather wasn't the vilna gaon but that would be good but, Well, yes, those all have their place in certain contexts, but we best answer them by our lifestyle. Michael Schiffman, Dr. Michael Schiffman, when he he did a Torah service, he was leading a Torah Torah service in, I think it was Moldova, but one service he led, and some people from the Jewish community participated. Another rabbi, he wasn't there. He told the story, they asked how... um, asked, well, how can you be part of that with you know, Messianic Rabbi leaving, leading? And some of them said, you ha- if you were there, you wouldn't say that. If people, would people come here and see that it really is faith, really are faithful to our Jewish heritage by following Yeshua, by our actions? If one is told that it is impossible to follow Messiah Yeshua and live a consistent Jewish lifestyle, the best response is following Messiah Yeshua and living a consistent Jewish lifestyle. There is a saying, I cannot hear what you're saying because your actions are speaking too loudly. Well, may such never apply to us. What does Shimon Kephas say will be the net result of the ethical activity of his readers? The goyim who had attacked Yeshua's followers, or anyone who attacks Yeshua's followers, he said will give glory to God on the day of his coming. They will praise God in the day of visitation. God will come near and will deal with the people of the earth. In the first book of the Bible, in the book of Bereshit, Genesis, it says, chapter 12, Now Adonai said to Avram, get yourself out of your country, away from your kinsmen and away from your father's house, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you are to be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. But I will curse anyone who curses you. And by all the families of the earth. And by you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So living as ethical followers of Hashem in this dispersion. In this galut. In this diaspora. We can be part of the fulfillment of chapter 12 of Genesis. The call of Abraham. We will be the holy vessels by which the nations will praise God. We will bring more of our people into the mercy of God away from his judgment and be faithful lights to the world as the moon faithfully reflects the light of the sun. Shabbat shalom.